Bom dia, boa tarde. Welcome to another episode of the PortugueseSoccer.com podcast. I'm your guest host, John Neves, back here again to talk about my favorite subject, your favorite subject, and that is Portuguese soccer, Portuguese football, whatever word you use in your part of the world. Episode 94. It was a rough week this week with uh, what happened in Luz with Serbia, Fernando Santos. I think a lot of things that I've said in the past um, very relevant today, a lot of the criticism. And I'm going to elaborate a little bit more in this episode. But let me just say that while right now a lot of people aren't happy with Fernando Santos, I think the players deserve some of the blame. So hear me out. I'll talk about that a little bit later in this uh, episode. But let's do the schedule like I do to start off every uh, episode, every podcast episode. And uh, first off this weekend, Taça do Portugal, fourth round. Then we have the uh, Champions League on uh, Tuesday and uh, Wednesday. Thursday, we'll have Braga in the Europa. Uh, and by the way, let me take this opportunity now. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody in the States. Uh, big, uh, you know, one of my uh, favorite holidays on uh, Thursday. Um, next Friday, uh, not something that, well, not something that we wanted, to be honest. But uh, the World Cup playoff draw, obviously, uh, the goal next Friday is to try to avoid Italy in the uh, final. Again, if you don't know the, the, the way it works. Uh, basically 12 teams, six are seated, six are unseated. There's going to be a draw where you're going to wind up, uh, in the case of Portugal, playing an unseated team. And Portugal is confirmed to host the first match. Um, I think the first one's around March the 24th. Um, the second match, uh, the playoff final schedule for the 29th. But if Portugal takes care of business and wins that first match against the unseated team, they then advance to play, and it could be anybody um, what they do is they've got uh, three groups of four. So if Italy winds up being drawn uh, with Portugal and they both win um, in their pod, they would play each other on the uh, 29th and then they do the draw to decide uh, who would host, uh, whether it would be Portugal or Italy. And that's if they wind up drawing each other. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and uh, say that I want, uh, you know, I think we want to avoid Italy, but I'm not going to sit here and say that we want to play this team or that team because it's obvious to look at teams and um, want to uh, play somebody that we think we have a better chance with. But to be honest with you, when you look at our performances, the last uh, this particular international break, um, I would be very worried about playing anybody with a lot of motivation. But again, let me save my national team thoughts um, for a little bit later on. But again, the draw will be uh, next Friday, 1,600 hours time. Um, in uh, Portugal. And then Liga B win. Um, you haven't had Liga B win. Uh, international break last week. Taça do Portugal this weekend. So Liga B win won't, won't only return next weekend. Um, and I'll give a little bit of preview of that as uh, well. So let's just start off first with uh, the Taça do Portugal preview. First off, Sporting um, already won. To, uh, they beat uh, Varzim 2-1 to one to kick off. Uh, the fourth round of the Taça do Portugal. Uh, very good match. A lot of credit to Varzim. They eliminated Maritimo in the previous round, and they were looking to eliminate another first division team in this round, and they made it very interesting. 0-0 at halftime. Pote, though, uh, Superman Pote, comes off the bench. Um, he scores the goal. Uh, Varzim ties it, I think it was the 85th minute, on a PK, um, but Sporting then came back, uh, Pote got the brace, he scored on a PK in about the, I think it was 89th minute, and uh, Sporting hold on, I think now under with Ruben Amorim as manager, 
um, in domestic competitions in Portugal. I believe his streak now is something like 36 or 37 in a row in domestic competition. Okay, we're not talking about Ajax that uh, Ruben Amorim has not lost at home in Alvalade. So an incredible uh, statistic. Uh, only concern about that game was Giovanni Cabral um, injured his uh, leg. The pitch at Alvalade didn't look very good. Um, if you remember about a month ago, Portugal-Serbia was supposed to be in Alvalade, and then they moved it, the Federation, to Luge at the time. If I remember correctly, the uh, press release or what I read in the uh, the media, uh, Bola de Cordojogo, was that they basically um, knew that there was going to be a lot of matches played in Alvalade, so they decided to move it uh, to Luge. And uh, obviously, when we look at the pitch tonight against Varzim and you look at the pitch in Luge this past weekend, that was a very smart decision by the Federation. But Giovanni Cabral did suffer an injury, and obviously we're wishing uh, the best for him, and that is... Um, Hopefully it's nothing uh, long-term. But we got a lot of matches uh, this weekend. And, and one of the things that's very interesting about the Taça do Portugal is you look at Benfica, who's going to be playing Passos de Ferreira. You look at Porto, who's going to be playing second place in the second division, Feirense, another team from up north. Uh, Passos de Ferreira and Feirense from Santa Maria de Feira. Um, I don't think they've lost a lot of players to international duties. I know Passos lost Steven Estacchio. Uh, great assist, by the way, in the uh, game against Mexico. I know they Passos lost him to international uh, duty. Uh, I'm not sure if Fainance lost anybody. Maybe it was at the uh, youth level, maybe under uh, 20. Um, but my point is, is that what makes this match dangerous, last last round it was because you had to go to play in the other club's uh, stadium. What makes this match dangerous is even though both Porto and Benfica like sporting, are playing at home and with the way the draw came out, what's really dangerous is that they're playing teams that were well-rested. They weren't having 10 or 11 players away on national team duty, just like uh, Porto and Benfica. They're going to have to make changes, JJ and Conceição. So right off the bat, you're basically playing, especially in the case of Feyenoord, which is having a very good season in the second division, and I realize it's the second division. And Basuj hasn't been a pushover by any means. They've had some, uh, you know, they've been doing okay this year. Um, you got to be very careful if you're Benfica and Porto, and there's no doubt that JJ and Conceição are going to do that. Conceição in the past has talked about, you know, when you come off the international break or when you come off the Champions League in that next match after, you have to make sure that the players have that chip back, that the players are focused, that because they're playing Tasso do Portugal and they're playing a team that everybody expects them to beat, that the players don't lose their focus, that they're just as motivated, like they're playing a Liga B-Win match, especially if they're playing a very important match in the Liga B-Win. So to me, that's what makes the Tasso do Portugal so very fascinating is because it's a second it's a second competition in Portugal for a club like Feirense and Passos de Ferreira. It's a chance... Um, you know, t for a trophy and um, in playing against a team that's probably going to have to rotate uh, some players. Uh, another good match this weekend, Braga's playing Santa Clara, a, uh, two first division teams going up against each other. Braga, before the international break, of course, you know they lost to Benfica 6-1, to one, but before that loss, they had gone 9 or 10 matches unbeaten. So they were doing fantastic up until that loss. They're going to try to regain... Um, you know, go back to the winning by playing Santa Clara. Santa Clara, as we know, has a uh, new manager, although I shouldn't say new manager anymore. He's already been there for about a month. I think this might be his fourth match with the team. 
But uh, Braga Santa Clara, two first division teams, that's always a very good match. Uh, Vitoria de Guimarães, uh, they'll be going to Moreirense. These two teams played each other the last Liga B win weekend, and now they open up again, playing against each other again, only this time in the Taça de Portugal, and Moreirense this time uh, will be hosting Vitoria Guimarães in a bit of a local Taça uh, derby. Um, and again, if you're Guimarães, you've got to be very careful. Uh, both of these teams, well-rested. You know, they probably had, in the case of Guimarães, I think they might have had a few players missing. So I think that's a very, very good match. Um, do I see any upsets this weekend? I think the only match where I, I'm going to say there could be an upset, I'm not going to make a pick out of this. I'll have my picks later. But pay attention to Lessa and Gil Vicente. Uh, that's the, um, the 11 a.m. match on a Saturday morning. Um, but check that out because Alessa, Gil Vicente, for some reason, sticks out for me to be a very um, a very good match. And Gil Vicente better be very careful. That could be an upset uh, alert match uh, if Gil Vicente is, uh, you know, if they, uh, they don't do business and take care of it right. Another very good match. You know, I was talking in my last episode. I gave a shout out to one of my followers who sent me an email telling me about, <coughs> excuse me, water went down the wrong way. Um, was talking about uh, Caldas from Caldas de Reina. They're going to be hosting uh, Bill and Interesad, Bisad. That's another match that I think Bisad better be very careful. But I think in that match, I think uh, Bisad, um, I think Bisad is going to probably win it. But again, if you're looking for potential upsets, Les Sergio Vicente, Caldas, and uh, Bisad. Um, one of the two things about this weekend, I know a lot of the matches in Portugal are on Canal 11. Um, but I noticed that two of the matches this weekend, and I don't have information about them, but apparently the uh, the matches involving the lower level teams, uh, Vila Furacans and Mafra, a pair of second division teams, and uh, Peredes and Torreirense from Torres Vedras, uh, know that town very well. Um, those two matches are going to be on YouTube. Um, I tried to look up info and I couldn't find it, so I'm not sure if it's only available to people in uh, Portugal, or if it's going to be available for people outside of Portugal. Um, I don't know, but um, if you uh, do want to watch any Taça de Portugal and you're not in Portugal, um, I think these are very two very good matches uh, to uh, watch. So those are your basically uh, some of the preview for this weekend. Again, some very good matches, but Benfica, Passos de Ferreira, Porto, Feirense, um, very interesting, Braga, Santa Clara. Uh, and again, more information on the schedule, uh, check out uh, PortugueseSoccer.com. Uh, let's check out the Champions League uh, preview. Big matches this week. Uh, it is the fifth of sixth match days. Um, basically, on uh, Tuesday, uh, you've got uh, Benfica. They're going to be uh, going uh, to uh, Barcelona, um, and uh, it's very simple for Benfica. Um, they have to win. Um, they are trailing Barcelona by two points. If they could beat Barcelona and come back to the Luge to play the final match day against Dynamo Kiev, then I think Benfica are in great position uh, to make it uh, to uh, the uh, next uh, stage of the uh, Champions League competition. But if they only go there and they uh, draw... Um, that would be a very disappointing result because even though um, they've got to play Dynamo Kiev at home and some would say Benfica will be well prepared to win that match, 
Uh, obviously, Barcelona's got to go to Bayern. Bayern has pretty much already clinched the uh, group. Um, but uh, Bayern may not necessarily play their best team. Who knows? They may rest some players. Um, essentially, you know, this is also a team that makes millions of dollars on television revenue. If they uh, draw or they lose a few points, they're going to lose a little bit of Champions League money because you get a Champions League money every time you win and draw. But for a club like Bayern, they're such a big club that I don't know if they worry about those uh, things. But um, Barcelona go to Bayern in the final match day, and um, even though you hope that uh, maybe that uh, Bayern beats Barcelona and you hope that Benfica beats Dynamo, that's too complicated. Benfica needs to go to Barcelona, and they need the three points. They do that. They control their destiny. If not, as we've been known to do with our calculators, we always make it hard on ourselves, like with the national team. We just put ourselves in a position where if you're Benfica, you've got to beat Dynamo Kiev, and then you're essentially praying that Bayern Munich uh, beats uh, Bayern, uh, beats Barcelona. And you don't want to do that in the final match day. So Benfica needs to go there, and they need to go there and grab um, you know, all uh, three points. Uh, coming up uh, next uh, Wednesday, uh, uh, Sporting is at home to Dortmund. Uh, sporting on because they defeated Betsika's back-to-back. Uh, and because of the fact that Dortmund lost back-to-back to Ajax, uh, a window of opportunity for uh, Sporting. Uh, basically, Ajax leads the group with 12 points. They're through. Now you've got uh, Dortmund and uh, Sporting with six points each. Betsika's is pretty much out of it. Sporting wants to play to advance to the next stage of the Champions League. They need to beat Dortmund. Um, I believe they need to also beat them by two or more goals because Dortmund won the uh, first time they played uh, 1-0 back in uh, Dortmund. So if you're Sporting, um, I know I believe Kwatsu is going to be back. Um, they've got all their pl- most of their players back. They played on Thursday in the Tassa. So they're resting Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. You know, they don't have to fly to Dortmund. Dortmund's got to fly in on Tuesday to play on Wednesday. So if you're Ruben Amarin, you got all this time to prepare. You got anybody who's got any knocks. You got time to get them ready. The stage is set. If you're a sporting fan and you're waiting for that quality European win, well, here it is. You have all the conditions, all the conditions to do what you got to do in this uh, match to win, and they've got to win, and again, not just win, but they've got to try uh, to win by two goals. I think even if they win by one nothing, I think uh, the disadvantage uh, for them, um, I, I don't have the tiebreakers in front of me, but I, I know that's what I read. They had to win by two, uh, two goals or more. But the bottom line is if you're sporting, you want to be a big club that could compete in Europe because these last two years have been great. I still think you're the best team in the Liga. You need to take that, and you need to bring it on Wednesday. That's going to be a very big match. And obviously, we are going to be rooting for sporting, um, you know, unless you don't care about Portuguese uh, rankings. Um, and then, of course, you've got Porto going uh, to Liverpool. Um, look, Porto and Liverpool, um, it's never a very good results. I was actually looking at the last five results between Porto and Liverpool. Um, obviously, we know about 5-1. to one. Earlier this season in the Champions League, the last time they played them in 2019 was in the quarterfinals. They lost at home to Liverpool 4-1 to in the Dragon. They lost in Liverpool 2-0. to Before that, they met uh, the prior year um, as well in the Champions League. First leg, uh, they lost 5-0 uh, uh, in the Dragon. Again, Liverpool loves scoring a lot of goals in the Dragon. But that second leg, Porto went and got a quality 0-0 draw in Liverpool. 
um, and kind of uh, you know redeem themselves uh, going to Liverpool and uh, managing to get the uh, draw. And that's what they need to do here. Um, I know Liverpool has the group wrapped up. Conseil Song and the players are going to say, hey, just like they say at the national team, we don't believe in draws. We always play to win. But I think here they're going to say that. We're not going there to get a point. We're going there for the three points. But realistically, unless Liverpool rests a lot of their players, which potentially they could, um, this is an opportunity for Porto to try to grab a point if if uh, Liverpool's big guns, their big scorers, happen to be on uh, the bench. Obviously, if you're Porto and you manage to grab a point, then that's obviously going to make life uh, very easy for you because then you have six points. Um, you hope, because otherwise it gets complicated, that Atletico don't beat Milan. But even if they do uh, beat uh, Milan, and let's say, worst-case scenario, um, you know, Porto lose to Liverpool, Porto could still beat Atletico in the final match day and still advance. But to me, I think best-case scenario is you go there, you draw, and you hope that AC Milan, which still has a shot for third place, by the way, for Europa, I mean, that's a big club. They're not going to let it go easily. Um, even though this game is being played at the Wanda in Madrid, um, if Milan could go there... Um, you know, and uh, maybe grab the three points, that would really help out Porto a lot. But even if they go there and they only draw, and Porto draws, Porto would still uh, be ahead of, um, you know, of Atletico going into that final match day because Porto would have six points, Atletico would have five, so Porto could even also play for a draw. And again, they're not going to say they're going to play for a draw, but let's be honest with you, that would be a good situation. So again, in this group, Group uh, B, you want Porto to try to grab a point. Look, we want the three points, but we want, at the very least, the point. And hopefully Milan could take points away from Atletico, and that really set up uh, Porto uh, very, very well uh, for the uh, final match day. Again, this was the group of death, and the fact that Porto is in the hunt for the second-place spot really says a lot. Again, Porto this year, last year, um, Liverpool result aside have been really very solid um, in the uh, Champions League. Uh, Braga will be playing on uh, Thursday. They're going to be going uh, to Denmark. Uh, Braga leads the group with nine points. Um, they basically are four points ahead of this Danish team, Midland. It's very simple for a Braga. If they get the three points, boom, they qualify. They're into the Europa next uh, next stage. Uh, even if they draw, it would be a good result. But if the other team from uh, Serbia uh, beats Ludogorets, then essentially in the final uh, match day, um, if Braga don't win or they draw, essentially Braga and this team from Serbia in the final match day are going to be playing for who uh, wins the group, which I believe plays a factor in the seeding for the next draw. So um, at the end of the day, if you're Carlos Carvajal, Orta, Everybody, Salvador, when you get on that charter plane to go to Denmark, it's about getting the three points. Wrap up the group right away and then, you know, start to think about uh, Liga B win and know that in your final match day, you're only going to really be playing for a little bit of money. Um, but again, when you're a Portuguese club, every money is uh, worth a, um, you know, a lot, is, is worth something for a, a Portuguese uh, club. So, <clears throat> That's your European preview for next week. And uh, and again, uh, next Friday, we'll have the World Cup uh, draw. And uh, 
you know, again, I think uh, for me, we're all disappointed that we have to go through this. Um, but at the end of the day, we have to go through this. And I think the goal is to draw a very easy team, at least on paper, and to try to avoid Italy. Uh, but I'll talk about Fernando Santos uh, in a few moment, moments. The second division report. Um, first off, even though we got Tasso de Portugal this weekend, we do have a second division match this weekend. Uh, we have uh, Academica, who will be hosting uh, FC Porto B on uh, Sunday. That's a match to finish up uh, week eight, round eight. So we'll have all these Tasso de Portugal matches. And then we'll have this one uh, second division match uh, to finish uh, round uh, round uh, eight, week eight. Uh, Academic has been eliminated from the Tasa de Portugal. FC Porto B is not eligible to play in the Tasa de Portugal. So it really makes all the sense in the world that they, uh, you know, finish that match that needs to be played and finish the schedule uh, this upcoming uh, weekend. And um, very simple, when we look at this uh, second division uh, report, Benfica B leading the way with 23 points. Uh, Feirense, uh second, they're the team that are going to be playing Porto this weekend in the Tasa de Portugal with uh, 22 points. Um, you've got Gazapi and Riwav in a tied for third with uh, 21 points. And then you've got five teams, Mafra, Penafiala, Srila Madura, Nacional, and Academico, the Viseu, who are going to basically, uh, are essentially tied, all tied for fourth with uh, 16 uh, points. And uh, poor Academica, by the way, last place with only two points, um, two draws, that's it. Uh, they're one of my picks this week that I'll get to in a, a minute. But uh, this weekend, of course, again, only one uh, uh, second division match. And uh, one thing, by the way, to say about um, FC Porto uh, B, um, they brought in Varela. Uh, you might remember uh, Varela, um, you know, played in uh, Portugal with uh, Porto. He played for the national team. He was the one when Portugal and Brazil played the USA that sent across to Cristiano that tied it 2-2 in, uh, in uh, stoppage time for the 2-2 draw with uh, the USA. But Varela was brought to FC Porto B to bring some experience. Um, if you remember, Porto wanted to bring Bruno Alves, I think, at one point. But uh, Varela, um, you know, trying to bring some experience to FC Porto B. Um, if they win uh, this weekend, they'll be in the middle of the pack because uh, unlike uh, uh, Pefica B, Porto's had a real problem with being at the bottom or at least toward the bottom third of the standings the last few years. And uh, winning the match uh, this weekend would really go a long way to get them to the middle of the pack. Um, I think people in Porto are getting very frustrated that this is a club that's not competing um, at the very least um, for uh, top uh, five. Uh, let's go to my uh, picks. Uh, last week, uh, only two matches. You know, wasn't a lot of matches last week. Um, one, I was one in one, got one right, got one uh, wrong. That brings my season total now to 31 correct, 16 incorrect. I am now down to 66%. A month ago, I was at 78%. I suck. But I'm going to keep trying. Uh, my goal is to be above 75%. But the last four episodes that I've done my picks, um, I've been like, Two right, two wrong, one right, one wrong during the international break. Uh, I'm just stuck with, uh, you know, not being able to win more. Um, you know, it's just the way it goes. But uh, last week, I predicted that Feyenoord from Algarve would beat Trofent. 
and I was uh, correct, Fenens, uh, Bitrofens, uh, two to nil. Trofens, by the way, their manager, uh, he has stepped down. I think his name was Rui Duarte. Uh, Duarte. Um, so Trofens had a manager change in the uh, second uh, division, uh, but Fenens uh, getting the win. And, and Fenens, by the way, needed that. They are in uh, 15th place with uh, 10 points, and they are languishing at the bottom. A year ago, they were in the first division um, after making their ways all the way from you know, from the districts when they uh, rebuilt uh, their uh, team. Um, it came all the way back up. Uh, I did get, though, Portugal, uh, Serbia wrong. I predicted that uh, uh, Portugal was going to win 3-2. to two. I really did believe Portugal was going to win. We had it all set up for us, so I guess now I'll talk about, you know, Portugal. Uh, well, actually, you know, let me just finish my picks. Um, but I predicted Portugal would win 3-2, to two, and I lost, of course. I did expect it to be a high-scoring affair, but uh, we didn't get the five goals with my three-to-two predictions. And again, I'm just predicting uh, who's going to win, lose, or draw. Uh, I'm just throwing in the uh, score for uh, fun. But uh, this weekend, I'm going to be picking uh, three matches. And again, I never try to make it easy, though there are a lot of matches that I could easily pick. I'm picking the second division match this weekend, and I'm going to predict... That Academica will get a point against FC Porto B, 1-1. So I'm predicting a draw. I'm predicting that Benfica will beat Passos de Ferreira. And I'm predicting Benfica will win uh, 2-1. And I'm going to predict that Braga, I've had a lot of bad luck with Braga at the beginning of all this. And I'm going to start picking them again. And maybe this time I'll have bad luck. Because you know what they say, what goes up comes down. And what goes down comes up. Maybe now I'll get start getting some luck back. So I'm going to predict Braga will beat Santa Clara uh, three, uh, two, uh, one. Part two of the com podcast. And um, I want to kind of talk about Fernando Santos in Portugal. And I said last week that, um, that basically Fernando Santos with Portugal has this beautiful sports car. And when he goes on the highway... Um, instead of taking advantage of the sports car and going on the fast lane and, and uh, you know, making it go as fast as it can, safely, of course, but let's say you're on the Autobahn, uh, Autobahn in Germany, um, and uh, just use the full potential of the car. Um, but instead, Fernando Santos basically likes to drive in the slow, slow lane because his philosophy is, we're going to get there. You know, we're not worried. We're going to get there. So what does it matter whether we go fast or slow? This car is going to get me there, and it's going to get me there on time. And I think I use that analogy with uh, Portugal because that's just the way it is. Um, we only scored one goal in this match day, this uh, pass, excuse me, international break. I said last week that when it comes to this national team, we are capable of doing so much more, or at least scoring many more goals, even against the stronger teams. And there's something wrong. There is something drastically wrong with Portugal. And I think a lot of people admit it. I think Fernando Santos the other night on that uh, that, that uh, interview he did with the uh, 8 o'clock news, I think he admitted it too, that there is something. And he kind of said that he would try to let the players, he would try to do things differently to make sure that he can get the best out of the uh, players. But here's the other thing you have to understand about Fernando Santos. When you go back to Euro 2016, which we will forever be appreciative of, Let's not forget, we drew our group matches. We needed, um, you know, we only the only match we won in regulation was in the semifinals against Wales. So in a way, going back to then, um, if you you remember the criticism of Portugal when they came out of the groups with a bunch of draws, how people were saying their brand of football was awful, 
I remember how many people were disappointed. Um, and, you know, but at the end of the day, nobody remembers because what people remember is we were the last team standing. And in a lot of ways, Portugal doesn't have problem beating the Qatars or the Luxembourgs or the Lithuanias, which every time we play, we score a lot of goals against, especially Cristiano. I think he scored the most goals against them. But my point is, in the last six years that we've had Fernando Santos, um, when it comes to um, beating these small teams, we don't have a lot of problems. But when it comes to playing these big teams, we just don't play to our full potential. I mean, I, I talked about Belgium. I know Belgium's a great team, don't get me wrong. But all that talent, we should have been able to score a few goals, at least in that match. And Portugal is just underachieving big time. Now, a lot of people have been saying, let's get rid of Fernando Santos. We're not going to do anything at the World Cup, um, you know, anyway, if we go with them. And right now, that's a legitimate criticism because there's not a lot of confidence. But here's the problem. First off, if the federation boss woke up one morning or the federation committee and they said, we're going to make a change. Who are, first of all, who are you going to bring in? I know Village Boas was mentioned. But you're going to only bring in someone that's only going to, you know, they're not going to be able to train with the players until that international break in March. And even when they do train with the players, they're only going to have a few days before the first match. Uh, I'd be curious to see if they're going to try before that first match see if they can get the players a week in advance into camp. So instead of having, you know, like they did this week where players got together on Monday and then they had a match against Ireland on Thursday, I'd be curious to see if the Federation is going to try to work it out to see if maybe they get the good players in camp so they have a full week to try to work some things out. Now, that's not the easiest thing to do because not all the players play in Portugal. I mean, you can go to the Liga and say, yeah, we need to suspend uh, this week, reschedule it for another weekend so we can let all the players be available for the national team. But we don't have that luxury because our players, which is the reason why we're in this in the first place, play for some of the best clubs in Europe, and we need those players um, to be coming in earlier, but they're not because they're playing for these big clubs, especially the EPL, and I don't see them being let out early so that they spend more time in camp with Fernando Santos. So my point is, is even if they got a new manager, the manager's only going to have three days with them in camp. I mean, unless you call Zoom meetings very productive, uh, maybe the new manager goes to see the players play in person, but it's not the same thing when you're wearing the warm-up and you're at Cidad do Football. So my point is, is there was a lot of people asking for a change with regard to Fernando Santos, but whoever you would have brought in, I'm not sure how much time they'd be able to change things, even though I realize... We're in November, and they don't play again until uh, March. Um, but uh, So I, I don't know if that would have been the best solution. Um, at the end of the day, Fernando Santos needs to get these players, and he needs to figure out a way to get them scoring more. Now let me also say, every time Portugal puts out the roster and Santos gets up there in the press room at Cidade do Futebol, and he announces these selections, um, <clears throat> everybody... Oh, look at that squad, like I was saying last episode. Look at that squad, people salivating. Can you believe all those players? Um, and then at the end of the day, we get these results. And, um, you know, Portugal has to find a way to get these players going. And it has to start also with the players. Now, all the blame can go on Fernando Santos. I mean, he could sit on the sideline, yell at the players, watch out for this, watch out for that. 
But when you got players like Cristiano Ronaldo, Bruno Fernandes, Jota, you know, when you have players like Pep, who I know wasn't there for the, um, you know, wasn't there for that match because he had been sent off the previous match. But my point is, when you take the players that are on that team, there's a lot of talent. They play Champions League football. Many of them have won the Champions League or played in the Champions League final. Some of them win big awards. I think while, yes, Bruno uh, Fernando Santos deserves the blame, I just don't think the players, you can't just say the players, you know, they deserve some of the blame too. Uh, Bruno Fernandez just doesn't seem to get it together with the national team. And I'm sorry to say that. People are going to say, oh, there he goes, picking on Bruno. But what else can you say to defend him? Cristiano does everything. Can you imagine if Cristiano didn't score those goals against Ireland in the recent, you know, in the match last month against Algarve? Could you have imagined? Um, the point is, is this team as a collective, you know, how many times when they do press conferences and the players talk, they like to talk about the collective, the group. Fernando Santos likes to talk about the group as a team. And the reality of the matter is, is there is no group. Um, this team just struggles. Cristiano bails them out, but Cristiano can't always bail them out like he wasn't able to bail them out, you know, against uh, Serbia. And um, so, look, um, we've been through this road before with the playoffs. It's painful. It sucks that we have to go through a draw. It sucks that we have to wait until next March. It's going to be very uh, stressful. There's a long time to go between here and March. Um you just hope that everything's going to be okay and that the players will be able to take care of business. But I'll have more to say, you know, after the draw. You know, the next time I drop a podcast, the draw will be taking place after. So I'll probably have to say one the following week after. Um, but my point is, is that Portugal, okay, they have what it takes to be better than they are now. And I think that the fault, while Fernando Santos is the face He's the one that makes up the 11. He's the one that chooses the players. I also think these players are the most experienced players in the world. Do you think, I always use this, let me use another analogy with the NBA. If you watch an NBA game or if you ever have been fortunate to go attend an NBA game, pay attention to the basketball coaches. How much do you see the basketball coaches on the sideline coach every single play? They don't because their best players know what they've got to do at the right time. They know when they need to take control. When they get into the huddle, it's a chance to get the players together and give them some perspective. But ultimately, LeBron James doesn't need anybody in the fourth quarter. And they're down by two and he has the ball. He doesn't need any coaching. He does not need any coaching. And, I'm, and the analogy I'm trying to make is because of the clubs that these players play for, because of their past success, these players do not need anything else other than going on the pitch and taking care of business. They've done it for their clubs. There's no reason why they couldn't do it for country. Um, is there maybe too much talent on the field? Is it maybe a worry that some of the players are worried about stepping on the other players' toes? Are players worried about getting in Cristiano's way and maybe making sure that he gets the ball on his side of the field as much as possible? I don't know. Somebody's going to write a book in 10 years that was on this national team where we'll find out the truth. You know, is, is Fernando Santos just a coach that is outdated? Or are the players, you know, just not trying hard enough? And why aren't they trying hard enough? So again, 
Fernando Santos deserves the blame, but I think the players deserve some of the blame too. And I think the players, you know, Cristiano, again, he's stepping up. Cristiano's not a problem. Folks, Cristiano is not the problem. Okay? We need other players to step up. Jota, Andre Silva, Giancarlo Guedes, um, whoever it is, we need them to step up. And let me tell you another thing also about Portugal. Um, one of the biggest problems I think we have is we don't have a Paulo Alves, we don't have a Sergio Conceição, and we don't have a Manish. In case you don't know who the, well, obviously you know Sergio Conceição, and uh, many of you will probably know Manish. I don't know if you know Paulo Alves, but Paulo Alves is, I think, a manager now in one of the lower clubs. But my point with those, they were never considered the big stars on the team, but they found a way to score big goals. Especially that one time Conceição had the hat trick against Germany, Paulo Alves had a big goal a few uh, when he was playing. I remember against uh, Germany, it was canceled out after that referee uh, sent off Rui Costa for saying he came off the field uh, too slow. By the way, I've never seen. I've talked about this in the past. Don't get me started. Uh, Manish, look what Manish did. Remember that goal against Holland at Euro 2004? They were not the big stars of the team, but they were playing and they did contribute. And we don't have that. We don't have that with any of these uh, players. We don't. We just have a lot of stars, but we just don't have anybody else. And I'm sorry, you don't have to agree, of course. Again, I'm taking my opportunity 45 minutes every week to say my feelings objectively. But the players also have to step it up too. It's not just Fernando Santos. And if you are a professional player, you know, and you're scoring goals in the EPL or in the Bundesliga or in La Liga or in Serie A, where you're playing in Portugal and you're having success, there's every reason why you should also be doing that with the national team, and there's something missing. We'll see what happens again. Uh, that's all I have to say. Um, disappointing result. Ugly Sunday. Um, did not go after the Aguardent in my cabinet, I'm glad to say. But at the end of the day, it was one of those days when you probably wish you got, um, you know, you wish you could forget the day and then wake up the next morning and, um, you know, try to get on with your lives. But look, we all love this thing. We all love Portugal. We all love football. It's disappointing. But as Ruben Amorim said, it's not over. We've been down this path before to qualify. So I don't see any reason why, you know, we should be giving up. I think right now there needs to be unity. I know that's kind of a word used in sports and that sounds cliche, but... When, when March comes, everybody's got to be all in, including the players, and we got to take care of business. And that's the best that um, you know I could say. And by the way, you know what's interesting? The manager that Fernando Santos replaced, Paulo Bento, remember with Paulo Bento? I think he had a very awful draw against Albania, and then he was let go as manager. And that's when Fernando Santos came in, and the rest is history. And then eventually, a few years later, he won uh, Euro 2016. Um, the bad fortunes now of Fernando Santos... The good fortune is now Paulo Bento, who, um, who's about to take South Korea to qualify for the World Cup. Uh, Carlos Queiroz, another Portuguese manager, you know of him as well. He took Iran to two World Cups. He also took South Africa, got them qualified for the World Cup, but he didn't stick around to manage them. Um, but he's got Egypt in uh, great shape in uh, their uh, qualifying. And Antonio Conceição, you haven't heard a lot about him. But he's been managing uh, Cameroon, and he's got Cameroon doing very well as well in uh, qualifying. Um, two other things I want to get into. Liga alert. 
Uh, cases in Portugal, and not just Portugal, but really a lot of places in Europe and around the world, are starting to increase. Uh, Ebola. Last Sunday I had a story. I didn't see it anywhere else, by the way. I only saw it in Ebola. That the Liga told the medical professionals of the first and second division teams, hey, now is the time to double your efforts, double your protocols, remind everybody to be careful, even if they're vaccinated. Um, we got to be very careful because cases are rising again. And, you know, if players start testing positive, that's going to create a problem. That's going to create a very, very, very big problem. So the Liga and all the medical uh, associations of the team just had their recent meeting. And we just saw in Holland that they've stopped allowing fans at uh, matches. That affects, well, Sporting's going there next month for the Champions League final match day against Ajax. They suspended tickets for that match in Holland, uh, Ajax. It could resume if restrictions are lifted at the end of this month, but it's kind of gotten serious there. It's gotten very serious in Germany. So Portugal, even the Portuguese government I saw the other day, is not, you know, is basically saying that there are a lot of things on the table that they may do if cases continue to rise, such as uh, people wearing their masks outdoors. So we'll see. But for now, fans are allowed in stadiums. Uh, but I have to say, by the way, one of the big health professionals in Portugal, uh, I think her name is Grace, um, she criticized because on television there were a lot of fans in Luge at the Serbia match that weren't wearing masks, and that became a bit of a thing in uh, Portugal. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Um, cases are growing in Portugal, but again, Portugal. Google Portugal vaccination. That was a great story done. Uh, I think it was by the New York Times about Portugal being second best in the world with vaccination. But now with the cases rising, that's starting to make people nervous. But anyway, I know this is not a COVID uh, episode, but I just wanted to mention that that the Liga did have a meeting and uh, they're trying to tell the teams behind the scenes, we got to start being careful. Uh, congratulations uh, to Canada and USA. They continue to lead. Uh, CONCACAF, I just want to go off topic here. Canada... How Canada doesn't have a good basketball team? How Canada doesn't have a good soccer team? After all these years, I don't know. But finally, at least, Canadian soccer. Um, uh, well, there's still matches to be played. Uh, qualifying um, goes through, I think, uh, February. But uh, Steven Estacchio and Vittoria, who plays for More Dance, I wonder if we'll be playing this weekend. Uh, Vittoria will be uh, playing this weekend for More Dance against... Um, Guimaraes and the Tassa Derby this weekend. Uh, they, of course, are part of the reason why Canada has done as well as they have. So congratulations. Want to recognize those two Portuguese uh, Canadians. But Canada, it'd be so exciting to have them in. A lot of Portuguese in Canada. Um, wouldn't it be a thing? Um, Sergio Jafut. By the way, his old uh, Twitter account is back. Uh, in case you wondered, um, I had him on my show back in uh, February. Uh, he was... I was uh, DMing with him the other day, and he said, wouldn't it be a thing if Canada qualifies for the World Cup and not Portugal? Could you have imagined that? Could you have imagined that? But um, that's possible. But again, let's just stay positive. And then, of course, you also have Major League Soccer uh, playoffs this weekend. Uh, obviously, they had to take a break because of the uh, international break. Go Red Bulls beat uh, Philadelphia. Folks, I'm going to wrap up episode 94. Thanks always for listening. And I'll talk to you next time. Ciao, everybody.